Welcome to this Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Welcome to this week's podcast, which is episode six. And before I get started today, I just wanted to thank all of those that have contacted me with feedback and questions. I really do appreciate this. Kind of as a follow-on from my Canon EOS 5D review, uh, which I did in episode 5, I wanted to share with you my reply to Nigel Bide uh, from Tewkesbury, Gloucestershire in England, who had a couple of questions regarding uh, switching to the 5D from his current camera, the 20D, uh, which is also the camera that I switched to the 5D from. Nigel wrote, I enjoyed your show on the 5D, but was wondering if the 3 frames per second has been an issue at all in certain conditions. I use a 20D at the moment to shoot my local football league side uh, from the touchline using the 5 FPS and the benefit of the 1.6 crop factor. The frame rate on the 20D is a big factor for me, but the full frame sensor is also tempting, although I'd lose the focal length on my 70-200mm f2.8 IS lens. Well, Nigel, uh, for landscape and most wildlife, I don't suspect the three frames per second will be such a problem for me. But when shooting Japanese red crown cranes in the past with a 10D, uh, which also has a three frames per second shooting speed, I did find this quite stressful. Uh, actually, one of the reasons that I bought the 20D was because the FPS was so much faster than the 10D. So I am a little bit worried about this, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a big problem for me in the majority of situations. Uh, conversely, I, I, as I only shoot RAW, I imagine that the additional continuous uh, RAW shots that I can take, I think it's up to seven, uh, 17 with the 5D, will be a big benefit. I did find it very stressful dropping to six continuous raw shots in one burst with the 20D compared to the nine that you got with the 10D. So I'm I'm looking forward to being able to shoot up to 17 continuous raw shots with the 5D. This will probably for me outweigh the frames per second uh, in the majority of situations, as I say. Uh, I've I've yet to make up my mind fully. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably benefit more from the full-size sensor than with the uh, the faster frames of the 20D. The crop factor uh, is going to be pretty substantial for you, though, if you are shooting football matches with your 70 to 200 millimeter lens. My advice would be, this not just for you, Nigel, but for anyone that is concerned about this, Maybe try limiting yourself to the shorter focal length and see how it feels. In your case, the maximum of 200 millimeters works out at around 320 millimeters on the 20D. On the 5D, this is going to be exactly 200 millimeters. There's no crop factor. So what you can do is simulate the shorter length by limiting yourself to 125 millimeters with your 20D. Which, which is the, the same as 200mm on a 5D or any camera that doesn't have a crop factor. Try and find some tape that will not leave a mark on your lens when you take it off and tape the lens up at 125mm for a while, if possible for the length of the game. 
and see how restricting that is. You can try just not going above 125 millimeters so that you can still use the zoom until that point. But you need to be able to resist the temptation of, you know, just going to 200 just for that one shot, uh, which I'm sure wouldn't end with just that one shot. So it's important that you you limit yourself probably in a, a very strict fashion. That way you'll you'll be able to find out exactly how it's going to feel shooting at 200 millimeters. Uh, once you switch to the 5D. One other thing to bear in mind is that in situations where you really want the 20, the 20D or a 1.6 crop factor is that you can probably just crop the center 8 megapixels from a 5D shot. Uh, you know, I haven't calculated this exactly yet, but I imagine that that would give you pretty much the same size image uh, comparable to that which you would get from the 20D or any other digital SLR with a crop factor of 1.6. Basically, I think if you can handle this, then you'll be able to upgrade to the 5D and probably get the best of both worlds. Anyway, please do let us know, Nigel, uh, how you get on. It'll be very interesting to hear what you decide to do. So, moving on to today's topic, which is going to be a relatively quick one, I think. Uh, In episode 5 last week, I mentioned the Japanese word boke. Uh, which basically means the blurred area, the out-of-focus area of a shot. I've noticed more and more in recent years uh, people using the word bucket to talk about this, the out-of-focus area of an image, uh, even when speaking English, so I think I'm pretty safe to use this term. Uh, Well, bokeh in itself is a very big subject. Uh, Different lenses produce different types of bokeh. Some are pleasing, some are not so pleasing. It differs based on a lot of factors, such as how many leaves uh, there are in the aperture's diaphragm. And some lenses, such as the 24-105mm F4L IS lens uh, that I mentioned last week, have a truly circular uh, aperture making for a very pleasing bokeh. If you want to read up on the technical side of bokeh, there's an excellent essay called Understanding Bokeh by Harold M. Merklinger uh, on Michael Reichman's website, The Luminous Landscape. You can look for bokeh in the Understanding series menu, and also uh, I've put the address in this week's podcast summary. Now, uh, many people tend to think of bokeh, or the blurred area of the photograph, as the background. And what I wanted to do today was to talk about using bokeh extensively in the foreground for effective images. This is not a difficult technique to use, uh, but it produces shots with a very nice dreamy feel to them when used correctly. First, choose your subject. Uh, As I take a lot of flowers and leaves... I like to use this technique with these subjects from time to time. Your subject will hopefully have something of interest buried inside a bunch of other objects of similar colour, though you you could probably use this uh, technique with contrasting or complementary colours as well. Compose your shot so that the main subject, or the most interesting part of the image, uh, usually the thing that caught your eye in the first place, is off-centre. You might have success with the main subject smack in the middle of the frame, but I would advise uh, moving it off-centre, or maybe using the rule of thirds, uh, position the main 
subject either in one of the four points where the lines dividing the frame into thirds intersect or along one of the imaginary lines itself. Uh, That will probably work. You will want to choose a wide aperture to get a shallow depth of field uh, to create the blurred effect or the bokeh that we're looking for here. Depending on your lens, the widest aperture will probably differ from anything from f1.4 to f4 or f5.6. The smaller the number, the wider the aperture and the shallower the depth of field will be. As the depth of field also gets shallower at the same aperture as the subject gets closer to the lens, you have to be careful not to select too wide an aperture uh, if your subject is very close. You might uh, want to use the depth of field preview button on your camera if it has one uh, just to stop down the aperture to see just how shallow the depth of field is uh, before you continue. Once you have your shot composed with a number of objects closer to the lens than the main subject you should be set up to take the shot. The closer the foreground objects are to the lens the more out of focus they'll be adding to that dreamy effect that we're looking for here. I've attached four shots to this episode for you to take a look at. To briefly describe them, uh, the first shot, which is number 559, is some Japanese maple leaves when they are red in autumn uh, that I captured at the end of the day when the sun was low in the sky. This added to the warmth of, of the shot and also there's a patch of light behind a leaf in the top left-hand corner Uh, that is almost like a halo throwing the leaf into silhouette. This shot was taken last year, and this will be the sort of leaves, the colour of leaves, that most people in the Northern Hemisphere will be able to see around this time of year. So you can probably try this technique in a similar way yourself pretty soon. By the way, if you're listening on an iPod while you're out and about, uh, you'll only be able to see this first shot. If you're listening in iTunes, you'll be able to click the thumbnail in the bottom left-hand corner to see the shot in full size. And also, if you click the little arrows above the thumbnail, you'll be able to move through the shots and click the thumbnail again to view the others full size too. Remember to click the center button on the toolbar of the image viewer to toggle between actual size and oversized, uh, as the oversized shot will appear quite grainy. You can also view the shots by clicking on the thumbnails that accompany this episode on my website, martinbaileyphotography.com. From the top page, jump to the podcast page and look for episode 6 in the list. And of course, you can uh, enter the photo number in the field on the podcast page or the top page of my website and jump directly to each image. So, once again, the first shot was 559. And then the second shot, which is some small yellow blossom, uh, is number 590. And here I chose uh, to really isolate just the flower, just one flower, in a lot of blotches of yellow. Um, The third shot is number uh, 644, and this is uh, a white hydrangea flower. Uh, It has a bunch of subjects that are in focus, Uh, There are lots and lots of white flowers out of focus around them, though, uh, in both the foreground and the background, adding to that really dreamy effect. The last shot here is uh, number 673, which was taken in Hokkaido, the northernmost island of Japan, in June this year. 
It was actually at the Tomita farm uh, in Furano. This is a, a bit of a tourist trap, but it has a a field, a few fields of early flowering lavender, uh, so it was a good chance to capture another dreamy shot. You can see that in all shots I've used a shallow depth of field composed with a lot of uh, flowers and leaves in the foreground uh, and just really made the most of this uh, bucket in in the shots, in all four shots. Hopefully uh, you think they're successful. Uh, I do. <laughs> That's why I've uh, attached them to this week's podcast. Uh, I just hope you agree. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, just a couple of things before I go. Uh, this week I noticed that my podcast has finally been listed on Podcast Alley. So if you like the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, please vote for it on Podcast Alley. You can vote by finding the show on the Podcast Alley website and hitting the vote button. And also I've put a link on my podcasts page uh, to make voting easier. You just have to enter your email address to validate your vote and then click the vote button. Podcast Alley will then send you an email uh, with a link that you have to click to complete the vote. Finally, as usual, you can contact me uh, from my website uh, via the contact form, which is linked to the podcast page and the contact us section on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. If you take a few moments to register on my site, you can post questions of any kind or just strike up conversations right there in the forum. And you'll also be able to send me email or private messages from the forum too. So have a good week. I'll be back with another edition uh, of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast next week. Uh, Hopefully, again, with some real-world examples of how I get my shots. Okay, so thank you for listening. Bye-bye. This has been a Martin Bailey Photography Podcast.